There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. There's so many great players who've played the game of hockey over the past few decades. Players who made an impact not only to their teammates and fans, but to the sport of hockey itself. On this week's show, we're joined by a giant of a man and a giant of a player. 24 seasons in the NHL, starting back in 1997, and just last month announced his retirement. He played for four different NHL teams, but will be best remembered as captain of the Boston Bruins for 14 seasons, winning the Stanley Cup with the Bruins in 2011. In 2022, he played in the 1,652nd NHL game, making him the league's all-time leader in games played by a defenseman. Standing six foot, nine inches tall, the tallest person ever to play in the NHL. We're pleased to welcome Zdeno Chara to the show. Welcome, Big Z. Great to chat with you again. No, thank you so much, Gina, for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to this. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave Crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. We'll talk more about the cup final in a few minutes in 2011, but one thing I will share with you is I was there at the cup final working for TSN and I was interviewing you on the ice and that was a celebration, a, a moment in my broadcast career that I won't soon forget. And you went probably hours, I guess, without wiping the smile off your face. What was that celebration on the ice like for you back in 2011 well obviously looking back it's uh, one of the best if not the finest memory of uh playing you know throughout the whole uh nhr career i mean that's what we all play for winning and winning a stanley cup and i think you know like uh like you said you know the smile it just showed that the, there was a huge amount of relief and satisfaction and the happiness uh, that we all shared together and it was uh Somewhat a uh, long time coming, and uh, finally we were able to uh, break some obstacles and uh, uh, get it done. So, uh, you know, I think that we had an unbelievable team uh, with an uh, unbelievable group of guys and uh, a coaching staff management. And, uh, yeah, it just all came together. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a great year for us. A culmination of some incredible dreams, which had things been a little bit different when you were still a kid, you may never have had that opportunity. We may never have seen Zdeno Chara hoist the Stanley Cup uh, at center ice because I hear stories that when you were a kid, a young kid back in Slovakia, and you started growing really, really quickly, there were some people who thought, Z, maybe you shouldn't play hockey. Maybe you should play basketball and tried to discourage you from playing hockey. Walk me through that process of, of what you were hearing in the early days as people started to realize just how tall you were going to be. Well, it was obviously um, very difficult. Um, you know, I think to, to, to a certain point, it was, it was a lot of fun. And just like, you know, every kid, we were just playing 
uh, you know, street hockey. That's how it all started. And then, you know, we transferred to the, to, to the, uh, to the ice and, and, you know, it was just, uh, you know, great, uh, great, uh, uh, time to spend away from the house and, uh, uh, in a different environment from a, from a street hockey and different sports. But, you know, as you know, you get older and you, you, you start, you know, getting into the teams and it becomes more competitive. And uh, that's when, you know, the teams start to obviously, you know, cut some players. And, and I started to realize that uh, I've been looked at uh, differently uh, from maybe from the past when I was uh, even even younger than, than that age. And so the, I'm talking about now age 14, 15, 16, 17 and and. You know, I, I grew quite a bit and, and I, I started realizing that, uh, you know, uh, coaches didn't see me as a potentially being uh, uh, someone who could play this this game. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been cut by a number of coaches and a number of teams and uh, it was it was quite difficult because, you know, then I had to find different spots, different teams in different towns. And, you know, all that together became very challenging. Uh, but you know, I, I just didn't want to give it up. I, I felt that uh, uh, there was a sport that I, I absolutely loved and I had so much passion for, and and um, you know, I just uh, didn't want to let it go. So I, I stick with it, and eventually I got the break. I, I came to North America, where you know, big, tall, um, you know, uh, players uh, at that time was actually welcoming. It was actually something that everybody saw a lot of potential, and all of a sudden the the, the cards flipped because, you know, from not being uh, wanted, uh, then all, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I was I was facing uh, the other side where people were telling me how great it is to be tall and and use the reach and positioning play and all that stuff. So. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, embraced that and, and uh, went, went even harder and trained even harder. We're in conversation with Zdeno Chara just really shortly after retirement. You only retired back in September. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But you mentioned coming to North America and you mentioned having people who believed in you because you kept getting cut as a kid. So, so now you come to North America, you end up in Western Canada, playing in the WHL with the Prince George Cougars. Was it Stan Butler who was your coach back then? Who was your coach back then in Prince George that kind of took you under the wing and said, we could make a kid, out of, a, a serious hockey player out of this? Yeah, so it it, it basically uh, happened that I got drafted in 1996 by New York Islanders, and the plan was that I would return to uh, Europe uh, and somewhat continue to play, uh, uh, you know, some junior uh, league uh, back in Slovakia or Czech Republic. But uh, as soon as I got drafted, I just didn't didn't want to go back. I, I just felt that uh, North America was the place for me, and um, so I kind of announced it and uh, told uh, my family that I won't be coming back. Uh, so that was a quite surprise for them. What was that like to your family when you're saying, "Guys, sorry, uh, I'm leaving." Yeah, yeah. Well, they knew I was leaving for the draft, but they didn't know that I would be staying. Uh, I made that decision right. quite, uh, quite uh, uh, shortly after I found out that um, I was recalled for the. Um, uh, back then, we were still, uh, you know, uh, obligated to do the 
uh, mandatory, um, you know, uh, army service, uh, which um, the military service, yeah, the military service. Sorry, excuse me. So, so that yeah. was that was something that you had to do. Uh, whether you, you know, either either you had to go to college or university, and if you didn't, then you had to uh, submit and and uh, basically do the military service for eighteen months, I believe, back then, and that would be the end of it. Yeah. I would not be playing hockey for eighteen months. So I knew that hey, I can can yeah. come back. So, um, you know, I got a call from Dennis Palonich. He was, he just got the job uh, as a GM from Prince George Cougars. And he asked me, hey, like, is it true you are, you, you want to stay? Because if you do, we want to take you in a, in, in a draft. Yeah, no for kidding. The, for, the, for the WHL. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm staying. And, and if you take me, I'll, I'll, I'll come. He's like, are you sure you're going to come? Do you know where the Prince George is? I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, well, it's kind of middle of nowhere. Nobody wants to you know, come. And I'm like, hey, I don't care. I, I just want to play hockey. I, I, I want to be a part of the team. That's and, awesome. And I want to you know, learn how to play North American style language and all that culture and all that stuff with it that come with it and obviously Stan was a coach and um, so these two uh, people Dennis Palanich and, and uh, Stan Butler were obviously having uh, big influences on on my early career uh, my junior career uh, and shortly after uh, you know I signed the entry-level contract with the New York Islanders and um, yeah um, you know who would who would thought that from being cut uh, by the junior team in Slovakia and within in 18, I think it was like within like 18 or 19 months, I would play my first NHL game, which sounds kind of crazy. But uh, that's what, what what happened in 1997, November 19th, I played my first NHL game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you mentioned briefly here, and you slid by it, but I want to mention this. You already spoke English at that point. Uh, it It's unbelievable to me. Like at last count, do I have this right? You speak seven languages. You, you speak uh, Slovakian, English, Czech, Polish, Swedish, Russian, and German. Is that accurate? It's it's somewhat accurate. I have to say I have to be very honest because I took uh, German and Russian in school. So I, I was pretty fluent with that when, when I was in school. Uh, now, you know, if, if, if I, you know, talk to someone, you know, I kind of, I, I understand what they're saying, but I, I have a hard time. I, I do have a hard time, but I can get by. Swedish I picked up when I in 2004 uh, during the lockout I uh, went to uh, play in Swedish league and uh, I, I basically took some tutoring I enjoy my 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 time over there so much that I, I start speaking Swedish and uh, by the end of the <laughs> season like five months I think it was like four four and a half five months I was able to actually speak pretty good Swedish uh, That's you know the unbelievable. Football, yeah yeah Slovak Polish and and Czech it's almost very similar. Uh, my my dad is Czech, my mom is Slovak, and Polish is so similar to both of those languages. But but yeah, you know, obviously yeah, th- those are three different languages. But yeah, it's just I I don't count them as a you know three different one. I kind of kind of I kind of count it as a, as a one. And uh, so yeah, I I guess I I speak a little bit of everything, but not perfectly with any of them. <laughs> We're in conversation with multilinguist international translator, future hockey hall of famer Zdeno Chara, <laughs> on the Seven Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. So so Z, you you make the move, you come to North America. You mentioned you mentioned. Uh, being able to translate on different teams when you played for different teams. You played twice at the World Cup of Hockey. One time you played for Slovakia. One time you played for, for Team Europe. When you played for Team Europe, did you instantly become the translator on the team or was everybody okay and fluent in English and they used it that way? 
No, that was quite a different experience, but such a great experience for us. Um, no, but I mean, I, I could understand uh, pretty much everything that, that any conversation was going on in the locker room. So that was kind of cool <laughs> that we had we had so many different languages um, and uh, from, the you know, so many great players from different countries. But it was just uh, uh, amazing that uh, you, I could pick up on, on different uh, kind of uh, uh, conversations. You were obviously a, a tremendous passion playing from your home country. You played internationally so many times. You played at the World Cup twice. You played at the World Championships twice, with uh, seven times with a couple of silver medals. And you went to the Olympics in 06, 2010, and 2014. And you were actually the flag bearer for the Olympic Games. What was that experience like for you? That was a, a tremendous honor, and um, you know, I, I I I don't think I ever told this story, so you might get, you might get the original one. But I perfect. I got I got yeah, I got um, uh, uh, I, I asked because you know I think the president of Slovakia at that time called me and asked me if I you know it would be an honor for Slovakia if I be the 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 flag bearer and and if I'd be able to actually uh, fly to Sochi and, and do it, and I, I look at the schedule, and I, we still had two games left in regular season before the Olympic break. So I went to the management, I explained to them, you know, what was happening, and then, um, uh, you know, it, it was such a huge uh, amount of uh, understanding and respect that uh, um, uh, Pierre Shirelli and Claude Julien at, at that time they said they, this is no brainer. We we absolutely can awesome. can you know can let you go. It's 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 great. You know, go ahead. You know, we, we can play these two games without you. I think they'd end up winning both games anyway. So that that was great. But I was actually on the plane, uh, sitting at Logan Airport, and the the biggest snowstorm came, and Oof. we were we were the icing, and and going on the runway. I think like two or three times. Every time we de-iced, by the time we, we we came to the runway, it was again it was frozen. The you know so the the, the pilot oh said and he he actually announced like okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is the last try. You know this <laughs> the last a huge, try the last try to take off. And he basically actually came to me. He's like, I know you're going to Sochi. I know you are flag barrier. And I'm trying to my I'm trying my best to actually oh you know get you get get you there. And the airport already called like, hey, we're shutting down. This so we were the last plane to leave. Wow, uh, Boston. And I was like, once we took off, I was I, I was like, oh my god, this is this is so this is so meant to be. Like it was just a uh, um, you know thanks to the pilot and thanks to the airlines. Uh, I forgot which one it was, obviously, but uh, it was a uh, it was just a uh, yeah, I guess game of inches. <laughs> Wow, that's unbelievable. What a great story, Z. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Can you imagine how different things could have been if you even if you just did not have a pilot who was who understood how important this was for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just uh I'm telling you, like it was just a uh, uh, I think we took off and he said that hey, we were the last plane. He after the after he we took off, we were in the air, he came back and he he, he again like I'm sorry, I, I apologize. I came and this and that. I'm like, hey, no worries, I, I appreciate so much. And he just said, like, hey, the airport just shut down. The storm came so bad that the whole Boston was basically shut down. And, uh, yeah, so we were able to actually, you know, make it uh, to Sochi. And uh, if I wouldn't stay, you know, if I wouldn't leave, then they would have to obviously replace me. So I would miss two games and, uh, wow. and the ceremonial opening ceremony. Unbelievable. We're in conversation with Zdeno Chara on the 7-Eleven Overtime podcast. Um, 
it's interesting because as I followed your career, because I've been in broadcasting throughout your entire NHL career, you were a guy like, despite your size, which gave you a significant edge on one side, you were really against the odds given the small town that you came from, given the, the, the people who tried to hold you back. And it was interesting because I read a quote that you said um, very, very early. You said, all I want to do is I want to do whatever I need to do to become one of the greatest defensemen ever. And that was your goal. At, at what point did you say, I don't want to just make it in the NHL, but did you realize I want to become amongst the greatest defensemen to ever play in the NHL, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be that guy? Well, I, I, I have to tell you, you know, that my, my, my goals uh, were, um, there were short goals. Like, I, I obviously, I didn't set to be the greatest or one of the greatest defensemen in NHL by any means. My, my goals were set so I could see them. I could, I could you know, reach them. And I, I was always pushing these goals further and further and set up new goals and, and new visions and new, um, uh, new finishes, as, as you want to call them. Um, so it, was, it became kind of motivational for me to always reaching new standards, new limits. Right. And, and I, I, just, I just enjoyed it. I just kind of felt like, uh, you know, why not to push yourself further and, 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 and work harder and, and keep, keep going till, till you find out what's, what's out there. And uh, so I, I basically sacrifice a lot to, to, to do whatever I need to do every day, every single day to, to become what I want to be in. Um, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, when I look back, it was a little bit selfish too, because, you know, everything was, it, everything that in my life was sacrificed basically for my performance, for my training, for, you know, getting, right. getting ready, being, being rested, being, being, being ready for next, next session and, and all that stuff. But I guess that's, that's what it takes, uh, you know, to, to, to get those, you know, get, get to those limits or get to those goals. Um, so, at one point, yeah, I, I realized I look like you, you can still be one of the you know very very effective players in this league uh, if you keep yeah. working hard and keep keep improving and and um, you know paying attention to every little details and and that's what I did. Here are a couple of hot tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the Seven Now Delivery app, and Seven Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, "Fuel me up, Sev." You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. I remember back in 2001, at that point we really didn't know yet what kind of an NHL D band you were going to be. And you were involved in the Alexi Yashin deal um, to the Ottawa senators. And the question mark was, what can this guy do? What can he become? Because even at that point, your game was still, is that a fair way to say it? Your, your game was still developing, still coming along, still transitioning. Talk to me about the transition to Ottawa and how that seemed to help you take your game to another level where, where the development you had in the first couple of years in Ottawa were really amazing to watch. Yeah. I mean, not to uh, take anything away from uh, a New York Islanders organization. It was just a different system, different, um, 
you know, um, development. Uh, you know, and they used you differently, right? Isn't that fair? They, Didn't yeah, they try to use yeah, you differently? It just, yeah, absolutely. It was just, you know, it, you, you are being used differently because you are a first-year you know, player, then you are a yeah. second-year year player, third-year player. And it just becomes, um, you know, I think that you were trying to, uh, you know, take these steps steps forward and, and slowly establishing yourself, as you want to maybe call it, as, as building a foundation, and become mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, a, a regular player in the NHL, yeah. and then you become more, um, you know, adding more minutes. And now you're looking at, you know, uh, hey, look, there's specialty teams. You know, there's this, there's that. So um, keep doing the stuff that, that that gets you here, but still adding to your game. And you made it onto the top pair with Wade Redden, which was a big step with you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and once I got to the Ottawa, it was just another a notch. It was just a, yeah. the 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 attention to the details that Jacques Martin and the coaching staff were um, putting a lot of emphasis on, and adding, you know, uh, you know, encouraging me to joining the the rushes and and being more offensive. And now they start using me on power play. Sure, because of your shot, you had an unbelievable yeah. shot, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, Gino, but I started playing power play. If you, if you believe it or not, I started playing power play in front of the net. So it, it, that was the first time I started playing power play. I was in front of the net, and then they realized, look, like he's got to, you know, I think Raid got hurt or somebody got hurt, and all of a sudden there was like opening, and they like, hey, let's try it, and you know, it worked. I just started bombing, bombing shots from from blue line, and and obviously, you know, I, I that's where you had the second of- hardest shot at the All Star game, right behind Al McGinnis at that point, right? I I don't re- I don't know I yeah, yeah probably I, I don't recall uh, which yeah. year that was but uh, absolutely could be could be that um, so yeah and and that's that's when you start adding right that now you're building first floor second floor you know yeah. it's just kind of like uh, that's the way I look at it you know you you always try to kind of build up your game and, and you got nominated for the Norris in oh three oh four I believe my first nomination was uh, yeah oh three oh four yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you know that's that that became kind of a standard for me. They tell you, look, like I want to be, I want to be one of the top top players and defensemen in the league. And you know that was great. That you know I've been nominated seven times, so that's you know obviously speaks for itself. Yeah, and then in July of two thousand and six, you're trying to decide where you go from here. Do you stay with Ottawa? Uh, things didn't work out there, but you ended up with a great deal with the Boston Bruins. And really, then you end up 14 seasons. The thing I liked about the fact is, second you stepped in with the Bruins, and they didn't have a captain at that point because Joe Thornton was gone. They hand you the contract, you sign the contract, they hand you to see right away. What was that like to step into an original six franchise? They're they're fully committed to you that way, and they hand you the captaincy right away. Well, I think it, it's got a lot to do with uh, Peter Shirelli coming to Boston. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he uh, he got a job. Uh, I think he got the job in um, uh, May, June, some something like that, uh, from Ottawa. So he knew me very well. He knew that you know what kind of a person I was, what kind of character I was, what kind of player I was, and um, you know, and I and I knew that there was a possibility of becoming a leader. And I didn't know at that yeah. time that you know I would be be the captain, but. But there was a talk that there's a there's a huge uh, lack of of leadership, and they seeking someone who is who is dedicated and has the drive and 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 discipline. And um, you know, out of all of, all of the teams, you know, I, I had you know great preparation with my agent Matt Cater, and we were 
we were doing uh, the preparation and the work uh, prior to the, the free agency. And, and, and as you know, back then, it wasn't like today that you go and you have, I think you have three days to visit teams and cities yeah. and just, uh, you know, do your due diligence of, of, of seeing things and interviewing and, and one-on-ones and, Back then, it was like okay, the opening, uh, the the free mar- uh, the free agency is uh, opening at noon, and by you know you get a call at twelve oh one, and <laughs> yeah. the team will, the team's gonna tell you like we we are giving you an offer for five years, and, and yeah. you know you you have to let us know by twelve oh five, so you have four yeah. minutes. Because if you say no, we're going somewhere else. Exactly, and and it's yeah. like and that was like so stressful because you know I remember I was sitting on the bed with my wife. In, in the bedroom we had I think we had a, we had two different uh, uh, phone links uh, uh, because that's was it was going back and forth and yeah and we were sitting like and I at one point I'm looking at my wife I'm like where are we going like we have like <laughs> I think we had at that point we had like eight or nine teams with a with the exactly same offer same yeah. am, am, amount of dollars same uh, uh, same uh, terms. Uh, maybe one or two were a little bit higher, but it was like we, we, I, we, we've been looking at each other like, where are we going? Like, and and every <laughs> every team basically calling back like, okay, we need to know right now because if you don't sign Z, we we gotta use the money and sign somebody else. And uh, yeah, so it was it was you know, but I I felt something that it it was it was the right fit for 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 me for us, and um um so we 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 went with Boston, yeah, and and knowing that Peter would be there, I kind of felt like okay, like. You know, I, I I had a little bit of kind of like, look, I have at least someone that I I know and 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 he knows me and and we can have a good conversation and we can we can get this organization on the right track. So so that's that's why I went. Unbelievable. And then you had five straight seasons where your numbers just kept getting better and better every year. And in two thousand and nine, uh, now you start thinking about maybe I can be one of the best defensemen in this league. You win the, your first Norris Trophy at that point what did that mean to you obviously an amazing humongous accomplishment but what did it mean to you emotionally to to finally attain that i was a little bit surprised uh, to be honest i you know obviously as you know there was a guy um who uh who played uh, you know for for a very long time over 20 20 years in hl and he won that trophy uh more than anyone and yep. uh, so uh, you know nick nick was just uh someone i i, I look up to so so it was, it was a huge icon to me does every european defenseman idolize nick lidstrom or is it around the game all over the place uh, uh probably i mean who wouldn't <laughs> right like i mean i i know that i play the game differently and i i just uh you know uh, i would not be uh Playing the, I mean, nobody can play the game the same way as, as Nick did. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just every time Detroit was uh, at that time was versus, I believe. Uh, uh, it, I, I just, I just glued myself to the TV and I watch every every shift he he played, yeah. and I just kind of tried to pick, you know, like little things from from his game. And so finally, when 2009 came and and they announced my name, I was a little bit, I guess, a little bit disbelief, but I was obviously. As well, relief, relief too, because I think that that time was my fifth or sixth or fourth, fifth nomination. I was like, okay, it's time. Like I, I need to, <laughs> I need to break the ice. So and so finally, when it did happen, I was very happy. I was very, um, you know, uh, satisfied. And um, you know, you know, obviously, um, huge kudos to 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 all of my teammates and team and and everybody who gave me the support. And you know, especially especially my wife. You know, she she knew how much I kind of like 
pity point at every every mistake and every every play and, and she had to listen to me uh, for all those years like every time i came home and i was just like waking up her in the middle of the night like <laughs> did you see the play did you see like the mistake i made did you see this and so that was kind of like yeah so something else you did which was monumental and that can never be bumped now nick lidstrom became the first ever uh european born and raised captain to captain his team to the stanley cup title and you were number two on, amongst the euros the first slovak captain to ever accomplish that and no one's ever going to be able to take that away from you what did that mean to you to represent home on that stage the hockey's biggest stage it was huge because I, you know, like when you play world championships, world championships or, or or world cups, even for Slovakia or, or Olympics, you know, the whole country is obviously watching. Everybody's a, a big supporter. Um, you know, it brings people together. Um, they they all cheer. They all want us to do well. And and when you do, and you when you when you go and bring the medal, I mean, it's uh, it seems like the whole country and all the people are just kind of. Uh, uh, reunited they're all happy nobody no, nobody's fighting anybody uh, all the po- yeah. all the politics uh, things go on the side you know uh I, I, I guess for a while it's it's just a happy country but yeah. if you play the nhl you don't get maybe exactly the same amount of support as you do when you play for the national team because you for know sure. it's 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 just a little bit different but i felt yeah. i really felt like after i came home with a cup how how happy people were for me like they knew the story they knew uh, you know what what it took and and how difficult the road was and here i was you know hoisting a cup on the top of the mountain and it was just uh it was yeah um, i i think that everybody really really realized like how how awesome that was for for me and for my family and for everyone to to be there uh with that cup Amazing. Uh, you said mountain, so I'm going to follow up on that. You actually, you're talking figuratively there being on top of the mountain. You actually have made it to the top of the mountain in Mount Kilimanjaro. as <laughs> You were there as part of a trip to Mozambique for the right to play. Your contribution to charity, your contribution, like what you've used, Z, and something that I really appreciate about you, you used your celebrity status, your fame, um, your recognition factor internationally around the world to do some good things. Tell me about your involvement of uh, right to play and your involvement in Africa, going to Mozambique. What was that experience like for you? No, it, it became, it became um, a second nature. And I, I, I always will remember that, you know, growing up, I didn't have much, um, you know, we were not poor, but obviously we were not rich and, we were pretty, you know, humble and modest family just to just to get by, and 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 I know it took a lot for for my family to sacrifice a lot of things for for for, for me and my my sister to to have the childhood that what, what we had, and so I, I kind of you know wanted to obviously uh, help out any in, in any ways and any, any kind uh, if I had the opportunity to to do so, and. Uh, so when this uh, you know opportunity kind of presented to to, to join right to play and and go to Africa and, and visit different locations where we could donate um, you know uh, through donations we can we can actually build uh, uh, schools or or facilities for for kids to to have better life better education and, and so on better sports 
you know, I, 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 I said, you know, absolutely. And, you know, it was a, such a great, great idea. And while we were there, I said, look, like I, I, I would absolutely <laughs> love to maybe do something, um, you know, with that Kilimanjaro mountain, like, Hey, why don't we just climb it? Why don't we just try it? Why don't we you know, raise money for it? And then that's, that's how Z, you realize people train months for something like that. And sometimes years and you just decided, Hey, look, why don't we do it? We're here now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it would be just a walk in the park, but it was just, it was so hard. Like I, I, I didn't realize how hard, it would be until I got to that maybe camp four it was like night before we were supposed to get, go to the summit. And I was like, I don't know if I can make it. It was just like every day you walk up and it's, it's not maybe the, the hours you're walking up and you're climbing or, or you're kind of like always going uphill, but it's uh, or up the mountain, I should say, but it's the, uh, it's the altitude. Like that's what's kind yeah. of like, it's it's killing you. I mean, you are in uh, nineteen thousand um, nine hundred some uh, some feet above the sea level, and and there is like probably only forty percent of oxygen or thirty percent of oxygen. So, so you know, to give you a kind of perspective, if you put like a plastic bag over your head and you start walking, uh, you know, to the do not tent, try this at home. <laughs> to to ten, yeah, don't try this at home. But you walk into the tenth floor, by the by the you know sixth floor, you'd be like, oh my god, like I can't breathe. So that's how you feel like. In, in that altitude. Wow. We're in conversation with one of the greatest NHL defensemen in history, Zdeno Chara. This is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. Uh, you, now, something I, we should point out, though, you make it sound like you didn't really do any training for Kilimanjaro, which is true. You didn't train for that in particular, but you're not unused to working your tail off in the off season. Most, most players go back home. They'd relax. They go water skiing, go on the boat. You challenge yourself with your buddies to get on a bike and to go at some of the tour de France stages right around the time the tour de France is being held. Tell our audience about that. Well, I have to go back a little bit. When you said I didn't train for, for Kilimanjaro, I didn't specifically train to climb the mountain, but I, I still yeah. train for, for, for hockey. And this, obviously, what yeah. you said was always a big part of my training. I became very obsessed with training at a very young age. And uh, cycling and uh, Greco-Roman wrestling were, were, were two sports. that Your dad uh, was a Greco-Roman wrestler, right? Yeah, 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 he was. And, and you know, those those two sports um, gave me uh, a huge uh, um, foundation uh, of conditioning and strength, strengthening. And um, I became friends with cyclists. And, um, you know, I, I became obsessed with, uh, with a Tour de France race, with Lance Armstrong, Miguel Indurain. Um, you know, it was just, uh, it was one of those, um, things that, that more I watched cycling, the more I wanted to be spending time on bike and yeah. And I, I couldn't resist. I had to go to, 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 to France and tried it, tried it and, and then I went to Giro, tried Giro, Giro Italia. You know, I, I did few 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 years in a row, and uh, um, you know the atmosphere, uh, you know the buzz, the the energy uh, from the crowd, from fans, from people, from the riders. It, it just uh, fueled me. I was just uh, always excited, you know, to go to France and 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 ride these huge monumental uh, mountain stages. 
it's just you. It's just, I mean, it's again, and tracking your career over the years, I thought this guy's never going to retire because he's in such phenomenal shape and everybody knew that. And even when you announced your retirement back in September, you signed that one day contract with the Boston Bruins to retire as a Boston Bruin. Even at that point, you were making jokes about the fact, don't worry, I'm going to stay in shape. Did your, did your teammates say, AZ, what are you doing? Are you still staying in shape? Are you still maintaining this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy uh, being active and do running and biking and, and lifting a little bit. I mean, I, I don't do uh, probably as much heavy lifting as I, as I did, but I do probably a lot more, lot more uh, cardio and endurance stuff uh, than, than, than probably before. But I, I just enjoy it. I think it's a, it's a healthy and, and good lifestyle. I think it keeps you, keeps you in shape. Um, you know, healthy and, and strong. And um, yeah, um, so hopefully, hopefully it stays that way. And you're still playing some hockey. You got an alumni game coming up with the Boston Bruins. How much fun is it going to be that to strap the shirt back on, not just in that one day contract, but back to back on the ice with the other alumni? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't skated since my last <laughs> game with the Islanders. So well, we will see. I mean, I uh, definitely not looking forward to those first few minutes on the skates. Um, <laughs> you know, that's going to feel kind of... Uh, uh, awkward, I guess, uh, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing all the alumni, um, you know, legends, all the players, um, obviously all the uh, Navy SEAL guys that we're going to be playing against. It's 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 for a great cause, uh, you know. Uh, I know that there is going to be a lot of fans, so um, you know, looking looking forward to it. It's going to be great, uh, great game, great event. You know, what I'm looking forward to. I've I've been very fortunate to be able to chat with and get to know legends of the game, and then watch their careers, and then see them go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I was there when Nick walked down the red carpet. I was just talking to Nick a couple of weeks ago for this year's induction class, and and I think back on your credentials right now, most games played by an NHL defenseman in history, 29th highest scoring D man in NHL history. Uh, top 100 list of the modern players in the NHL era, Stanley Cup champion, Norris champion. Um, it's a no-brainer for me. I think your first ballot entry into the Hockey Hall of Fame, you started very early thinking what it would be like to be considered amongst the greatest. You've now done that. Do you allow yourself to think of what it'll be like to get the call from the Hockey Hall of Fame? Um, not really. I mean, I, I'm just enjoying my time right now. Um, you know, whatever comes, comes. Um, I did my work. Uh, it's up to obviously, um, the board, I guess the hockey hall of fame board and people who are deciding on these things, um, whether it's going to be a first ballot or not. Um, I, I can't tell you, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, proud of, of, of what I've been able to do and, and we being able to do as, as, as on teams that I've been part of. And uh, I did the best I could. Uh, I have no regrets when I look back. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tried my best and be dedicated and disciplined and, and play with uh, um, my love and passion for the sport, just like when I started. So uh, uh, whatever, whatever is going to be uh, next, it's going to be next and we'll, we will see. Do you have any aspirations of getting back in the game and a coaching or management level? You know what? Right now, I'm I'm in a good place. Um, you know, obviously being in a game for you know 25 years. Um, you know, uh, I miss a lot of different things, uh, especially last few year, years with my kids. So right now, I'm 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 good where I'm at. Um, you know, spending some time with my 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 kids and my, doing families uh, activities. 
Um, I check on 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 stats and highlights and games yeah. every morning. Um, so I, I I know what's going on around the league. I I, I keep track. Um, so maybe yeah yeah I mean I I'm I'll definitely not closing that door. Um, you know who knows maybe I'll I'll join the um, you know the team um, soon maybe not. Um, yeah, we will see. I I can't really tell you that that um, it's something that um, right now it's my 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 you know uh, goal to 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 be joining a management or. You know, a, a team in in any any capacity. I just want to be kind of like very flexible, but maybe in the future I will. Um, who knows? Z, it's been unbelievable catching up with you, my friend. I'm glad to hear things are still going so well for you, and you're enjoying your early retirement days. Have a great time at the alumni game in Boston. We appreciate you taking the time to join with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gino. And, uh, you know, it's a great podcast, 7-Eleven. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, you guys get more uh, more listeners. And, uh, again, uh, it's been an honor and a uh, privilege to be uh, uh, chatting with you guys. So thank you so much for having me. That was Boston Bruins legend, Stanley Cup champion, and soon-to-be Hockey Hall of Famer, Zdeno Char. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot from the oven pizza and wings, pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say... Fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7.